welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, your weekly glimpse into the life of indie author Paul Teague. Find out how many words got written over the past seven days, hear what's on the planning board, and discover the tips and tools which Paul is using to self-publish his books and get them selling as fast as possible. This is Paul's Podcast Diary, and here's your show host, Paul Teague. Hello and welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, episode 151 for Saturday the 4th of May, 2019. Coming up this week, how I just achieved my highest number of replies to a mail-out ever. And no, they weren't refund requests. What I learned from finally getting around to listening to a couple of audiobooks by Dean Wesley Smith. And I'll be talking to King of Genetics, CEO and co-founder at Publish Drive, about that publishing platform, how it can help authors and what's planned for the future. First, though, to this week's word count. Now, as I promised you last week, I was expecting to write on Sunday the 28th of April, and I did. I wrote 5,029 words. I was hoping to write on Thursday the 2nd of May, but writing was cancelled and bumped to a future date yesterday. At the time I'm recording this, um, I decided not to write on Thursday because we had all sorts of domestic things happening and going on. I've got three of my kids home at the moment. My wife wasn't working on Thursday, so I just gave it up as a bad job. I thought there is absolutely no way is any writing getting done on Thursday. So that's been bumped. And instead, uh, I went out with my wife to see a film, (laughs) which was uh, Liam Neeson's Cold Pursuit. And I've been dying to see this. And um, my kind of cinema slot is a Thursday afternoon after I finished writing. So after my wife's finished work and after I finished writing. So it's somewhere in the window, 2 till 5 p.m. It means that we miss the kind of after work crowd, the noisy crowd, uh, we get to go there where all the pensioners uh, are going, which is the best time to go. So um, I was waiting for that cold pursuit to come on, but they didn't. They just insisted on putting it on in the evenings. And then what they did this week is they put it on in an afternoon slot. It was the, the old age pensioners slot. So we sneaked in the youngsters that we are and we went to watch it, but I've been waiting for it to be in the afternoons for ages. So actually, I managed to kill a lot of birds with one stone and I got my haircut done too, which I also needed to do. Um, now, what I think I'm going to do is make up for that writing day tomorrow, Saturday, at the time I'm recording this. Now, normally on a Saturday, I do a park run. And if you remember, I do actually have time to write on a Friday, Saturday and Sunday and a Thursday uh, as well. But I decided that I like to have, when I do a park run, I decided that I quite like to just come round, have a cup of tea when I get back, have a shower, and then do miscellaneous jobs rather than sitting down to write. But tomorrow, I think what I might do is I might try to make that a writing day. I certainly can do it while my wife's at work, and I can get the part run in, and I can come back, have a shower, have a cup of tea, and then get writing. So I'm minded tomorrow to try and make up for the writing day I lost. But if I don't, if I give it up as a bad job, then I will write on Sunday. I'll write another 5,000 words on Sunday. And I have shuffled the diary to accommodate that lost writing day. I can still hit my targets. But I think I'd rather, if I can, get it in the pot, get it done as per my schedule, and then I know it's out of the way. But I have um, had one of my kind of moments of clarity this week. And let me just tie this down for you now. I think this is where I'm going. I think I've settled on this. I just had one of those moments where I thought, you know, in between now and summer, life is going to be a bit disrupted. I've potentially got to find two days to get kids back from university and load up all their gear. So I need to have some wriggle room. The other thing that's going on in between now and the end of summer is I have this this thing of which I shall not speak yet which may be coming up. And that actually took a move forward last weekend. So uh, I can't speak about it yet. But if if it's at a point where I can speak about it, I will tell you about it. But also, in addition to that, I put another iron in another fire this week. And I did, um, as what you know, I'm doing the collaborations with John and James. So those books get released in July. So potentially after that point, if those books went well, potentially I'd need to be writing and continuing that series again. So that's one thing that I have to bear in mind. The other thing is, is that this thing of which I cannot speak, this may come up about July-ish time, that the, the timescales we're going for look like that. But also I threw my hat into the ring this week for another collaboration. Now, again, this may or may not come off, um, but it's another collaboration that would involve me writing with somebody else, exactly as I'm doing with John and James. Um, they would do all the marketing and all the expenses and the editing costs. And effectively, I just take my my cut of the income after that. So 
that, that again, that model suits me really well. If I could just do the writing and let somebody take the strain with the marketing, particularly where they've got an audience that's big enough, that actually suits me at the moment uh, because it just kind of boils it right down to I just turn up, do the writing, and then hopefully the rest takes care of itself. But also I'm doing it as a learning opportunity and also a way of using somebody else's platform to bring sales into my platform. So uh, there is strategy to that. But in summary, what I've decided to do then is the book I'm writing at the moment, Left for Dead, I'm up to 20,000 words as of close of play today. So I've just, I've just up to 20,000 words writing today with that book. That is going to be a 75,000 word book. Now I have space for another 90,000 word book before summer, but I'm actually going to make that another 75,000 word book and it's going to be a standalone. That gives me a buffer of three days, which I may need to pick up kids uh, from university, uh, weekend days. So that uh, uh, gives me the flexibility that I need. And the other thing is I had an idea. Uh, so I, I, last week I was telling you that I might go for a another sci-fi, not a sci-fi, thriller trilogy and start writing the first book before summer. But I've decided not to do that now. That 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 doesn't work because there are three things potentially now that might head me off at the pass where I might write part one of a trilogy and then not get the chance to finish it off for some time, depending on what happens with these other things that I can't talk about. So it makes more sense to me to write two standalones of 75,000 words long between now and summer. What that enables me to do is one, to hit my my target of having 20 books, 20 fiction books written by the time I'm 55. So I'm way ahead of that target. Um, number two, it keeps me free for all the, the, the other things I've got flying around at the moment that may need my attention. It allows me not to start a thriller trilogy and not be able to end it. But if all of these things don't come off, say the series with John and James just tanks and the other two irons in the fire that I've got tank as well. So nothing comes off and I'm back to where I was. Potentially then I could write that thriller trilogy between September 2019 after the summer and March uh, 2020 and I could have that trilogy done by then and then I could just tack it on to the end of my rapid re-release program so it kind of that that was my moment of clarity I thought you know what? that allows me to do everything it means I haven't started a series that I can't finish it, it, I, so it means I'm doing two standalones between now and the end of summer and those standalones are both going to be 75k not 90k so there's been an awful lot of shuffling messing around dithering <laughs> indecision and everything in there but what what I am pleased that I did is that I just said to you look I, I need to start writing a book I want to start writing so I'm pleased I started writing Left for Dead because at least I'm writing while I'm dithering that's that's the good thing about that I'm getting something done um although Left 4 Dead is definitely not a trilogy. So um, I had a great idea for a sci-fi story, which even my kids love this week. I was just sharing it at the kitchen table. And um, so I, I have got an idea for a standalone sci-fi, um, which I could just write fairly easily. It's nice and self-contained. Um, I know the plot points already. Just one of those stories that came to me very quickly this week. When I'm supposed to be thinking about thrillers, of course, a sci-fi idea comes to me. So um, what at the moment, what I think I'm going to do is, is do Left for Dead, 75,000 words, and then I'm going to get this, probably at the moment, I'm going to get this sci-fi story done, um, so long as when I flesh it out a bit more, it's got legs. And I have both of those done before the summer holidays and before 20 books Edinburgh. And that works beautifully. Now, at the point when I've got 20 books written, and, and that's significant because of 20 books to 50K, because I ain't earning, I don't have any chance of earning um, 50K from them at the moment. And that's the whole point of me doing rapid re-release and coming back to them afresh. At that point, I may have a total reconsideration of what I do with writing. Um, and by that, I mean, um, you know, I've got enough books then. I have enough books. And if I can't do anything with those books, I'm unlikely to do anything with future books. So I may try going back to some nonfiction, for instance. I may take some time out and just focus on relaunching those books and trying to make those work and master the marketing. Or, of course, I may then be in a scenario where this thing of which I cannot speak has happened, or, say, John and James has taken off, 
or this other thing where I threw my hat into the ring this week, if I don't get dismissed from that, that might also be potential. So I've got lots of irons in lots of fires, but the, the junction point, the, the kind of leaping off point is probably going to be about summer. Some, sometime in summer, we're going to have a, a kind of reconfiguration point. So as I say, it all just made sense when everything, all the dust had settled. It just makes sense to me to write two 75k standalones. One of them is going to be a thriller, definitely. Um, the other one may be a thriller, may not be a thriller at the moment. The thing that's buzzing in my head and that I could write pretty quickly and I've got the story is a sci-fi, standalone sci-fi idea. It doesn't even feed into my secret bunker trilogy. It's just a standalone sci-fi. Um, which I really like. Got a big bug in my ear about it. So um, I will let you know where we are with this and all these mysteries. I don't like giving you mysteries, but when, you know, when I can, if and when I can talk to you about the mysteries, I'll let you know about the mysteries. Um, but bottom line is 20 books written by my 55th birthday. That target is going to be met probably by the summer. And when that's out the way, as far as I can say, I can relax a little bit and say, okay, let's have a good think about what comes next. That's really where I'm heading for with this. And that's what I will do over summer, as well as getting my books ready for rapid re-release. So let's move on to general news then. And um, I released or I sent out my monthly emails that I send out last Sunday. And I have had a record response. So if you remember, I Every monthly email now, something that's working really well for me is just as well as just giving my kind of chit chat, my, my up to date author news and what I'm watching on the telly, stuff like that. I've been asking this author question and these are they're not trite author questions like what's a favorite color of you know your favorite book cover. They're, they're questions that I really want to know the answers to because they relate to my writing. And not only am I getting brilliant feedback from them, I'm just getting a, a record number of replies. And this this month so far, because they keep coming in. At the time of recording this, I've had 223 replies to this month's email. 223 emails. Now, I've been doing email marketing for a long, long time, and I've never had, never, ever, ever had anywhere near that number of replies. So, yet again, I'm, I'm going to recommend this technique to you. The, the, the concept is a thousand true fans, and the, the point of this is, is that what it does is that rather than people just passively receiving this email... Uh, and not using it as an opportunity to build a relationship. I now am going to have to spend time, I'm not quite sure when, on Saturday or Sunday, I'm going to have to spend time sending a reply, 223 replies. Now, most of the reply will be what I call a potted reply. It'll be pre-written. But what I try to do is I, I cut and paste the pre-written reply. And depending on what people have written to me, I just try and write a line with a personal comment. And I always add their name to it. So I try and personalize the replies as much as I can. But the question that I asked about this month, and actually, this is one that I'd postponed asking about the previous month because I thought, mm, not sure about this one. I'll have a think about it. But I did ask it this month because I had nothing better. So here's exactly the wording of this month's question. It was, what do you think about sex scenes in books? Are they offensive? Should they always come with a warning or don't they bother you? Now, the other thing is, is I used a couple of headlines in those emails. I'm just going to try and find them for you now. I should have had these ready. Apologies. My usual uh, lack of planning. So... I used, um, I did what's called an auto resend. So I sent the email out on Sunday and then automatically, because I use MailerLite, it sent out, it resent the email with a different headline on it to people who hadn't opened it. So the first headline that I used was, I have a question for you, dot, dot, dot. And then the second email headline that I used, so this is for the resend, look away if easily offended, smiley face. So those were the headlines I use. Now, if you want to have a close look at this email, if you're not on my mailing list, and if you want to have a look at the author questions that I've asked in the past, if you head for selfpublishingjourneys.com, and if you click on A to Z index uh, at the top right-hand side, you'll see a label called Email Archive. And I always add my emails so that you can have a look at them without subscribing if you want to. I add all my past emails to a list on that page. And I would highly recommend that you go in, if you're struggling with your email list, go in, have a look at those author questions I'm asking. Maybe just rewrite them a little bit, add your own voice to them. But it's working brilliantly for me. And as I say, you know, I've been doing email marketing for a lot of years now, and I have never had a response like that. 223 replies and counting. Now, of course, I've made loads of work for myself now because I'm going to have to reply to them. But, you know, this is building relationships. People are talking to me 
they're they're giving their opinion about that topic. A lot of them are saying, you know, I love your books, or it's it's great the way you've done it in your books. So I'm I'm getting that personal response, that personal relationship, and I've never had this with email marketing before. So I'm I'm going to carry on. It's working really well. When if you remember, just sort of cast your mind back a couple of weeks ago, I did. Was it my? I can't remember what episode it was. Was it my? I'm just looking back at the the listings here. The special episode where I. I, I did a, a, a longer version. Where is it? I can't find it now. Here it is. Um, my three-year anniversary episodes. That's what it was. It was the three-year anniversary episodes that I did. It was a special edition that I ran on a Wednesday. Oh, it was a Thursday, Thursday, 4th of April. It was the three-year anniversary of this podcast. And um, if you listen to that, I I did um, a section on audiobooks. I've got loads of audiobooks that I'd put on my phone, and I hadn't listened to all of them. And I was mentioning one of these. It was number 38 on the list. It was um, audio number two when I'd listed 15 writing craft books and audios. And I mentioned the Killing the, the, Killing the Sacred Cows series, um, which are Dean Wesley Smith audio books. And I'd got a couple of these. And, I, and, and in doing the research for that special episode, I'd seen that I got those on my phone. I hadn't listened to them. And I actually got around to listening to them this week because I had to spend some time on a train this week. This is one of the things that's disrupted um, my writing this week. Um, so I listened to the, t- uh, was it Killing the Top 10 Sacred Cows of Self-Publishing and Publishing, I think it was. And, and some of them overlapped a little bit. But um, I've never really consumed anything by Dean Wesley Smith before. I, I know that um, Joanna Penn is a big fan and Christine Catherine Rush, who is uh, Dean's wife, they're partners. And I know um, that Joanna's a big, big fan of theirs, but I've I've never really consumed their stuff at all. Listen to the audiobooks, and although some of it was was fine, and, and some of it I kind of knew already, there were a couple of bits in there that really kind of benefited me, and made my ears prick up. It's the first time I've heard somebody say, "Write your stuff, edit it once, and publish it." Then, then you know, then stuff it, just get it out there, and and it was a real kind of this is how I do it, get the stuff out there. And there was no suggestion here that you launch dodgy material it was as my favorite phrase is good to ship that it had been checked it had been proofread you know you were really you're really you're not releasing rubbish you're releasing good stuff but what dean was saying is is write your story he was saying don't over edit it because if you pick 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 um you'll lose your author's voice your original voice and the flow of ideas but he said edit it once get it proofread and publish the thing and then he said set a price on it and forget it for a year and, and just get the next one out there. He was all really big on getting the next one out there. And Dean's written over, I think it's over 150 books. But there were some real nuggets in there. So I, I really am going to recommend this series to you. The the other thing that Dean said, so we're all used to 20 books to 50K. And as you know, I'm about to hit 20 books and 50K is nowhere near in sight. We're about half that maybe. But we're not, we're not in sight of 50K yet from 20 books. I am working on it, of course, but we're not there yet. But what Dean Wesley Smith said, his numbers were different. He was looking at a, a $40,000 income and he was talking about a, a much sort of slower approach with that, with smaller sales. And I thought there were some really good tips in there. So the 20 books to 50K does feel a bit, feels a lot, doesn't it? It's a lot of work um, to, to get 20 books written. It's taken me about five years to get it done. Or it will have been about five years by the time I get mine done. Four or five, I forget. Either way, you know, several years. And the $40,000 income is about right. What's that, about about £28,000, something like that, which is probably okay for most people, unless you live in a palace. Most people can get by on that um, in, in the UK. Uh, but it, I just liked his mathematics. And, and the way he worked was, his policy was, write it, check it once, proofread it, release it, get the next one out. And... He, he was, he, he was working on a basis that if you can get 25 sales per book per month, you can fairly quickly get to that kind of $40,000 income. And it was just a different way of getting to the same end. I, what most of us want is, is to be able to earn enough money not to have to work for anybody else. That's what most of us want, but we want to earn it regularly as clockwork. We can't have it fits and starts because at the point that it becomes our living, the way we make our living, then it has to be regular. Um, it has to be reliable. It can't be fits and starts at that stage. The only fits and starts you want is it going higher, not lower. So um, I recommend those 
but those audio books to you for for that reason to have a listen to that and the other thing that um d wesley smith talks about a lot and again because he's sort of an older writer he's, he's been around the block many more times than any of us have um you know he knows more of course he's got more experience he can have more confidence about these things um so it's really worth uh listening to and he was talking about Heinlein's, 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 Robert Heinlein, I think, is the writer, Heinlein's Rules for Writers. And he based, um, I think he's based a whole book, basically, on these these rules. And the rules are, rule one, you must write. Rule two, finish what you start. Rule three, you must refrain from rewriting, except to editorial order. Rule four, you must put your story on the market. And rule five, you must keep it on the market until it's sold. And those are his five rules of writing. And again, I haven't heard this stuff before. Um, it, I, I might, I think maybe John, I think maybe John Cronshaw touches on it, um, on his, in his book, uh, Stop Booking Around. Um, but I, um, Dean Wesley Smith sort of does a deep dive on it. And, um, it's not sort of something that you'll hear the more modern, uh, writers talking about, the kind of 20 books people. I, I've not heard them mention this. Um, so there was a, what I'm saying to you is there was a lot of stuff in those two audiobooks that was new to me. Some of it I'd heard before, but a lot of it was new to me. And what I particularly appreciated was Dean's, I don't know, he flipped a lot of stuff around. This write fast, write furiously, get loads of books out there. He was just a bit cooler about it all, but he was still trying to get to that that author salary and because he's he's written so many books because he's so experienced i just found his take on it uh different and quite refreshing so i am going to recommend those listens to you 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 will have heard some of it before some of it you will be familiar with um some of it um i think the books were recorded in 2014 so so bear in mind the date but there's still some good evergreen timeless stuff in there that i think is worth a listen I just wanted to update you on a couple of general things. I've, I know I've mentioned in these diaries in past episodes, but I just want to bring you up to date with them. Um, if you remember, I was saying to you that one of my, my problems, one of my issues is that I wrote all these standalone thrillers and I haven't been selling them very well. Reason, part of the reason for that is I've made all my money off Don't Tell Meg. So there's been no reason for me to thrash them. And frankly, I'm not organized enough um, to do it. So they've, they've just kind of sat in the wings and I've sold a couple of incidental copies, but nothing of any consequence. Now, if you recall, when I did my last book bub, I put the first chapter of Dead of Night at the end of the last book of the trilogy. So what I didn't want to do is I didn't want to disrupt the reading flow. I had, um, I, I'd also considered putting my author notes at the back of the book, but I was, I was too nervous to do that because I, I was worried that it might disrupt the flow of of the sell through so now now we've we've kind of now everything's dying down after that book bub that i had for don't tell meg what i'll probably do at some point when i've got a spare afternoon is i'll slip my author notes in um now i'm not doing zillions zillions of sales like you do after an ebook after a book bub sale and i'll i'll just put them in and, and just make sure it doesn't spike or ruin anything uh, before i i have time to do another book bub so i'll let them sit in there maybe for four months and then just make sure they're not they haven't damaged any flow in there any buy through or anything like that but what i had done because it doesn't matter at this stage if i put something new at the end of book three of the trilogy well they're not going to see it until they've read the old trilogy by that stage i've got their 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 money their readers money in my pocket by that stage so it can't really interrupt anything so i put the first chapter of dead of night at the end of the last book of the trilogy and then i priced it down to try and get people to to read through. And what I did want to say to you is I have definitely, I'm definitely selling more Dead of Night books now, um, you know, more than I ever was before I did that. Um, so I, I just wanted to let you know that and update you. Now, you know, I'm not selling a zillion of them. Um, I, I haven't got a direct match of everybody who reads the last book of the trilogy buys Dead of Night, but my numbers have gone right up. So I am shifting copies of Dead of Night now. So so that strategy has worked. Um it would like, it'd be nice if it worked better, but that strategy is working for me. The other thing I told you about the other day is I'd republish my MailChimp book. And I, I'd done it, you know, on the cheap in that I'd... The one thing that's changed in MailChimp since I took it off the market is GDPR. That's why I took it off the market. And then now GDPR settled. Basically, what I inserted was an introductory page just saying, look, this is how you sort GDPR. Um, and all the stuff in the book remains the same, really. Um, you know, it's just good email marketing practice 
and, and so I've started selling that book again. And that, that book has already made its way up. You know, you get your bestsellers in, um, what's it called? Book funnel, not book funnel, whatever we used to look at our books with. Book report, book report. So you know you get your best-selling books at the top of book report when you look at book report. Well, Mailchimp is now in those best-selling books. So I am shifting paperbacks on which I make is it three pounds something, three or four pounds I make on the paperbacks because they're priced at nine ninety nine, um, and I'm starting to sell those again now. And incidentally, what's selling those books is Amazon ads. I'm selling them through Amazon ads. So. Again, if you know, I just ramble away on these diaries. You'd be forgiven for missing anything that I say, but I did say to you that when I get to the summer holidays this year, I am going to have a good old think about things. One of the things I am going to consider is should I th- should I throw my hat back into the non-fiction ring for a little bit? That's one of the things I was going to consider, and it's the Mailchimp book that's made me think about this because I find I get Amazon ad success with non-fiction. It's dead. It's much easier than fiction. I'm having no success with fiction, you know, or minimal success. Like most, most people will say I'm having some success, but I just can't ramp up the spend. You know, I'm selling some. My, is it ACOS is fine, but I, I can't spend enough. Whereas with nonfiction, I'm finding it much easier. I said this to you before about a Mailchimp book that it, it was selling well. And I make a lot of money on that book because I, I, I charge 10 quid for it. Uh, you can charge more for nonfiction because you're selling solutions. And and so one of the things I want to think about over summer, this is another reason why I said to you, I'm not going to start writing the trilogy now. This is what I've reconsidered when I had my my moment of clarity, which I have every now and then, that, that if I just write two standalones, I could just have a good old think about it over summer. But one of, one of the things I'm considering is, should I have a little try at nonfiction? Because nonfiction is way easier to sell. It's just keywords. Um, that's all it is. <laughs> it's, it's just a lot easier. So that's one of the things I am going to consider. Um, now, if I do do nonfiction, I do not want to get into the kind of, um, trying to think what the word is, you know, the albatross, the, the albatross around the neck that is f- Facebook and, and MailChimp and things like that. So, um, what I did with my nonfiction before, which always sold incidentally, but, um, what I did with my nonfiction before is I did kind of how-to books. And the problem with how-to books is that, um, you have to update them all the time. Things change every five minutes. So if I do go to nonfiction, I want to go for nonfiction books that um, are evergreen or that need the the minimal amount of updating. Now, I, I still may make the MailChimp and the WordPress the sort of centerpiece of what I do, because I, I if I do corporate training, it's often based around WordPress and MailChimp. So I've just got just such an easy way of selling those books and they fit so well into what I do. And I kind of you know, on a corporate basis, I may update those two, but I won't do any more than those two. Uh, to be fair, Mailchimp doesn't change that much and, and nor does WordPress. Uh, the last big WordPress change was, um, what's it called? Gutenberg. And again, just like all these things, it, it, the, the advice with Gutenberg all boils down to a page of advice, which I, I've just stuck in the, 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 the front of the old book that I'd written. And I will get around to updating it at some point, but the interface hasn't really changed very much at all. Um, so. Those books are fairly safe, but I'm not getting into Twitter. I'm not getting into Facebook. I'm not doing social media. I'm not doing anything that changes every five minutes. So if I do move back to nonfiction and if, and it won't be a permanent move, it might just be a move from, you know, September 2019 to March 2020. I'm really just looking at that period. If all these plates that I'm spinning, if none of them come off, really just considering that time. Um, but they, you know, they will be timeless kind of evergreen nonfiction books. And they'll be based around keywords that are easier to sell. So th- this is just one of the things I'm thinking about at the moment. But it, it's really interesting how that Mailchimp book sell the the Amazon ads are taking off now. They were a bit slow to start, but they're off now and they're selling books for me, um, which is great. And it's not an experience I'm having in any great way with um, my fiction. The other thing I wanted to say to you is that I'm getting page reads now on all my KDP Select books. So I've put Don't Tell Meg Book 1 in the trilogy. Only Book 1 in the trilogy is in KDP Select. That's got loads of page reads in the last month. And then also I've got three standalone thrillers. So all my standalone thrillers except Dead of Night, which is priced at 99 pence, 99 cents as part of that strategy that I had. I'm also getting page reads on those standalone thrillers too, without any promotion. They're just naturally getting page reads. So again, you know, these may be people reading through from the other books. So again, once again, I am minded to move into KDP Select. I know it's evil. 
I know it puts all your eggs in one basket, but you know, if I don't earn enough money from this lark um, anytime soon, then it's all a bit of a waste of time, isn't it? So I, you know, I know it's not the right thing to do for the long term, but frankly, I'd rather be earning enough money from from one of the portals. And I was looking at my Kobo. I mean, you think of all the sales that I've had in the last year on Kobo, which really I thought was my going to be my second channel. Let me tell you how much. If I tell you what my all-time earnings on Kobo are, there. This is all time. So this is I've had three, no two book bubs. I've had I've had. Um, don't tell Meg. No, I've had. Don't tell Meg twice. That's three book bubs have been through this. Don't tell Meg twice when it was wide, and I've had the grid when it was wide, and my Kobo earnings total all time are nine hundred and twenty nine pounds sixty eight at the moment. I mean, it's just, it's been like pulling teeth on Kobo. And I don't know why I'm using their promotions. You know, I'm just trying everything. Whereas the two channels that have worked really well for me that I didn't expect to, Apple has been a complete eye opener for me. Apple, when I've gone wide, I've made as much Apple as uh, on Apple as I have on Kindle. I never expected that to happen. And my second channel has been Barnes and Noble. And I never expected that to happen in a month of Sundays. So in order of money, um, when I'm wide, um, Amazon and Apple are, are about a draw. They're about almost exactly the same, Apple and Amazon. This is only when I'm wide, mind you. And then coming second, uh, you've got, uh, I forgot all the titles now. You've got the other one, <laughs> Barnes and Noble. Then you've got Kobo. Then you've got Google. That's the order of which the income comes. So that's, that was a revelation to me. I really didn't expect that. Um, but, but Kobo is just not working. I don't know how to make it work. You know, I've, I've kind of listened to, um, Mark Lefebvre's uh, audio, uh, you know, been through his book. I listened to the podcasts and it's, it's really just not firing for me. And it should do because I like Kobo. You know, Kobo is good. It's well organized. I love their promos, but I can't make it work. Um, or it's, you know, that, that's not a lot, is it? I've made substantially more from that than that from the other portals. Now I have shifted through Kobo in that time. 14,500 books on Kobo, 14,500 books from which I've taken £929.68 pence income. So there's, there's just something not right there, is there? It just doesn't feel like I'm making that work. But anyhow, I think I am really beginning to make, certainly when I do rapid re-release, it's going into KDP Select. Certainly all the thrillers are going to go into KDP Select over time. Whether I do the same with the sci-fi, I don't know. I'm more minded to keep the sci-fi wide at this moment in time. But like all things, you know what it's like on this podcast. It's all subject to change at a moment's notice. The other thing I wanted to just update you with is uh, Google Ads. Um, again, you know, I tell you these things and, I, and and sometimes I forget to update you on them. So Google Ads, I spent a couple of hundred pounds on Google Ads and I was getting lots of traffic, but I just, I couldn't get a uh, buy through. It just wasn't buying. Uh, no one was buying. Uh, and again, I don't, I don't know why that is. Uh, I, I tried a few things. But I was listening to the self-publishing formula this last week with um, Alessandra Torre and she and James Blatch were having a chat about Google Ads and what was working and what was not. And both of them pretty well agreed that they can't make Google Ads work for books. Um, they, they can make them work for courses, uh, so higher ticket items, but they weren't able to make them work for books. So I, I took some consolation in that because I turned my Google Ads off a little while ago. Um, really, I, I'm not spending on ads at the moment when well, I'm just making sure I got enough money in the pot for the edits and the covers that I want. Um, so I thought I took some solace from that and thought, well, okay, you know, if people like James Blatch, who's doing Mark Dawson's advertising budgets, can't make them work, and Alessandra is also got a big budget, if they can't make them work for books, then somebody like me, a little squirt like me, is not likely to make them work either. So I've parked that. Not forever, because you can turn them on, turn them off, but I'm parking that for the time being, mainly because I'm putting all my budget into book covers and edits at the moment. I'm not spending on ads at the moment. The other thing, just while I'm talking about the self-publishing formula, by the way, is they've got one of their book lab segments this week, and these are extremely good. I love these segments. They're long, and they're extremely good. If you haven't caught these before, they basically um, take an author, and they look at their blurb, they look at their cover, 
Um, they look at the, I think the first, is it the read-through bit of the book? They get an editor, they get Brian Cohen on to look at the blurb, they get uh, Stuart Bache to look at the cover, and they give some really quite, um, it's very, always always constructive and kind feedback, but they give very frank feedback um, to, to the author who's been brave enough to offer themselves up as a sacrificial lamb. Um, but these book lab segments are absolutely, they're really, really good. Um, so I, if you haven't caught one, I highly recommend that you tune into self-publishing formula and catch that, um, this week, um, if you can. And if you, if you haven't caught them before, just go and look at the back catalog. It's a really great way to start listening to that podcast and then start picking through the guests as well. Uh, but those book labs I love. Um, and they're about one and a half to two hours as well. So they're very, very substantial, but all they're, all they're good. Okay, so that is it for my author news this week. Hopefully, I will be writing on Saturday. Maybe, maybe not. And I I will certainly be writing on Sunday. So how many words will we have? We're at 20, 25, 30, 35, maybe 40K next week. 35, 40K words next week, hopefully. Um, So we'll be what? Are we halfway through? Yeah, we'll be halfway through, hopefully, uh, this time next week. But... Um, we do have young people around the house at the moment, and I do have things going on in my domestic life that involve me running people here, there and everywhere. So wait and see. I have to keep my powder dry on that for a little bit. But for now, let's move on to the interview. And as promised at the beginning of this week's show, at the end of last week's show, I got the chance to speak to King of Genetics last week, and I've decided to drop this interview in earlier rather than waiting until June to run it. So Kinga is the CEO and co-founder of Publish Drive. And I originally tried out that platform because I was finding it just so frustrating listing directly with Google. I don't like listing directly with Google, even though I'm one of those um, authors who's old enough and lucky enough to have direct access to the account. I really didn't like the way the money was accounted for in Google. It's not very clear at all. You run very blind when you list directly in Google. So out of my frustration, I went to list on publish drive well as you know when you listen to these diaries i liked that platform immediately um it allows me to list in china and i've become really impressed over the short time i've been with them um with how publish drive are constantly innovating and adding new and useful features so they're not just tinkering with things for the sake of it they're actually adding stuff that we can use By the way, just to let you know, this interview is also available in video format because we used Zoom to make the recording rather than Skype. We had some Skype problems, so we jumped onto Zoom and I thought, oh, there you go, we'll run a video as well. So it's also available in video form on YouTube and I've put the video, to save you hunting for it, I've also put it on the resources notes for this week's podcast diary. So let's go to the interview. When I chatted to Kinga, I asked to explain what Publish Drive offers that Draft the Digital and Smashwords do not. Publish Drive is basically a self-publishing platform with a lot of added features that others don't offer currently. Um, like we have a lot of marketing features integrated uh, within Publish Drive, what you as an author can use. For instance, asking for review copies so you can send out uh, DRM products protected uh, review copies for your uh, reviewers. Uh, you can actually uh, use Amazon advertising within the platform also within Publish Drive. So if you, for instance, uh, want to share uh, marketing advertising with one of your um, co-authors or any anyone else, uh, maybe an agency is working with you, then you can do that within Publish Drive also very easily. And um, we have a lot of extra stores what we integrated within Publish Drive, like uh, the Chinese stores also, and uh, we try to cover more countries in overall uh, to make sure that uh, global book sales are actually global. Initially, I started using Publish Drive because I was I was one of the lucky ones who got listed directly on Google. So I, I have used Google directly, but I absolutely hate the interface. I think I think the financial management is appalling. And the uh, well, the whole thing is appalling. It's a, ter- it's a terrible experience. So I came to Publish yeah. Drive. I list I listed on Google, then obviously found that I could also list in China, which is very exciting. Yeah. Um, but your interface, I got to tell you, is way simpler. It's just so much simpler. So presumably, you spent a lot of time getting that right. <laughs> yeah, we have a great product team who is working on that, and great developers who are working on that part to make sure that everything is smooth from an author experience. And um, 
we are even uh, we have a lot of like beta testers as well. So whenever we are coming out with some new feature uh, or some new product, then we actually are um, contacting our author friends as well, our author beta users basically, to make sure that uh, to ask about their opinion and about their feedback. So we actually know whether it's the right way to go. So whenever there is any feedback from anyone, I would be happy to hear about it because that's how we can actually develop a better product. Now, interestingly, with Google Play, only this week you've asked me to revalidate my account with Google Play. So I've, I've had to go through some technical jiggery-pokery, and, it, and it's, it's all fine now. It's all happened now. Uh, what, what's that all about? What's happening there? Yeah, it seems to be that we are getting bigger and bigger <laughs> in terms of Google as well. And then um, it's basically like that, that uh, Google has a policy that they are working with aggregators in a way that um, – we should have a service provider account instead of having uh, one account and, and having all uh, authors there. And um, basically, they want to um, be in contract with the copyright holders because they, they are really caring about copyright and they, they want to make sure that if there is any kind of DMCA coming in, then they are in contact with the right person in terms of copyright ownership. And uh, basically, it's like that, that now um, we started to transfer everyone to this new system because that's wh what they actually are um, keen on um, basically doing with all the aggregators. And, um, yeah, the process was not the best as far as I could uh, see from our side. Uh, we tried to um, make it as easy as possible for the authors and we try to communicate um, as clearly as possible, uh, but there were a lot of uh, bumps on the road. Um, but I, I'm really happy to see that there are more and more authors um, onboarded in this new system with Google. Uh, and in this way, it's actually um, pretty uh, still the same in terms of the analytics as well. So uh, as an author, you would be able to see all the analytics, what you've seen before with Google Play, and you can access all uh, other features as well where we had, like, for instance, a book review. Um, so we can actually ask for uh, review copies uh, in this way also. Oh, brilliant. Okay. So um, I'm sure that I've heard you interviewed on somebody else's podcast, and you mentioned, didn't you have seed money from Google? Is that right? It's not seed money. No? Uh, we've, we've been accelerated by Google. So we actually um, went through their program, which is uh, basically for startups who have um, some interesting concept and interesting business. And they invited us to take part in their program, which was in San Francisco. Um, and basically, we had a lot of great mentorship from different um, departments of Google as well. So we could dive into the AI part as well of Google, because obviously when it's about AI and artificial intelligence, machine learning, then uh, they are the leaders uh, in the industry. And it was really good because then we could actually um, develop our product further in a way that, it, uh, that we can use tech uh, to make sure that the author experience is better and, and we can help authors to utilize the new tech, uh, what we actually built with Savon as well, for instance, it, which it, is an AI robot uh, built by published drive developers. It seems amazing to me that Google's own interface is frankly so useless that the pricing is a complete guessing game on Google. So I, when I started listening on Google, somebody said, add a couple of pounds. And by the time they've done their crazy discounting, hopefully it won't cause a problem with Amazon with the pricing. It must be, yeah. a, it must be a nightmare for you as well. So there's no way to control it, is there? Well, it's like that, that um, we developed our own algorithm to make sure that it's actually – uh, there is no conflict with Amazon and with other retailers who actually have price matching. So, um, because, yeah, we all know that they have this kind of, like Google has this kind of discounting because they work in a different business model. It's in wholesale. Um, uh, but we, we were um, putting a lot of effort into that to make sure that that kind of pricing is actually figured out for the authors so they don't have to do anything. Just set the usual price, the digital list price, and in the end, um, for the end users, they can buy the same amount 
um, their books the same amount that they would buy on Amazon. So there is no price matching. Now, while I've got you here and I've got your ear, I want to nobble you about a couple of things as a as an author um, that about Publish Drive. Now, one of these things is that when I get my royalties, and I don't sell very much on Google, to be honest with you, dare I say Amazon is always the biggest seller, but um, I, I have to pay with Publish Drive, I have to pay a transaction fee with you. I have to pay um, when, I, when I get the money, there's another bit knocked off. So I, I pay you, obviously, your royalties, and then I pay an additional transaction fee. Now, I'm not aware that I pay that with any of the other publishers. Is there a chance you could knock that on the head, get that sorted? Mm, in terms of, like, uh, when you get the money, the transfer fee, you mean? Yes, yes. Uh, it, yeah, it, it, it depends on, yeah. It's, it's uh, another fee, isn't small, it? Yeah, there's a small fee, um, depending on, uh, your country and depending on um, your payment solution uh, because for instance with PayPal when you receive money you have some uh, transaction fee also and uh, it depends on which bank you actually are in so in some cases yes there is a, an added transaction fee also and we show it to everyone so um, we, we are transparent about that and um, I think there might be some transaction fees on other platforms as well, what you might not be able to see or might not be able to track. But in our case, we, we show it to the customer just to make sure that everyone knows what kind of fees there are. One of the things that I've welcomed is the team royalties um, functionality that you've just deployed. Yeah. And um, to me, this is the holy grail now because so many authors are working collaboratively um, so it's great that you've got it, but but here's my here's my usability request. Okay. Okay. Um, that, that I, I, I've just done my first collaboration, and I'm trying to get the people that I've collaborated with. I would rather that we put the money through a third party like you, because mm-hmm. everybody who ever does split royalties will tell you it's a nightmare. It's an absolute nightmare to to manage split royalties. But in our situation, and I think in most situations you've got the the split royalties for the book income. But in this case, my collaborators are going to be spending money on ads on behalf of both of us. And they want to deduct that from the income I receive. So what I would really, really love in a team interface is the ability for whoever is the the key royalty holder, the the key contractor. Like the book book owner. The book owner, yeah. Um, Because I would then be a collaborator. collaborator that's the word i'm trying to say and um, i want them to be able to um um deduct expenses from that and give me a net mm-hmm. payment now that would be a, a, a you would own the collaborative world if you could offer something like that and i can't believe somebody's done that is now is that something that that we can do it, it's, it surely it's not beyond technology to do that no it's actually um so right now it's already done that you actually can set up your amazon advertising um within publish rivals so if you have um team royalty switched on so you basically can use not just the royalty splitting feature in terms of that but you can actually share amazon advertising um, budgets and basically everything like that so you can do that currently and um we already uh, have different balances within Publish Drive. So um, currently, I think there is n- there is no um, version for that where you can say that okay, you deduct an extra forty dollars because you know that someone else was yeah, like your collaborator uh, was spending an extra forty dollars on Facebook ad or whatever. So. Um, um, you actually give $40 extra to that person because he was paying for that. Um, however, uh, that it, it's, it is pretty easy to uh, implement. So that's a very good feedback, by the way. All right, good. Well, I would love it because I, I just think, um, you know, I, I called it the holy ground. I think it is. And so many people, for instance, through, um, you imagine 20 books, a massive company like the 20 books, yeah. Michael Andalay. Um, you know, I, I know sure. from listening to them what a nightmare um this is and and it just strikes me that whoever can come up with the best team management process and and i use an online accounting software i use quickbooks for instance and so all you have to do is you you want to be able to upload um you know as you say forty dollars for facebook and maybe a receipt upload a receipt as evidence and then just to sign off that month's accounts and um and it's i don't think it's that complicated is it so no 
brilliant right so I'll, I'll be looking for that then if that's okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> well we are pretty good in terms of developing new features so there might be some advancement to this definitely yeah. Brilliant. Okay, because I genuinely believe whoever comes up with the best solution for that first, I think they will own collaborations, and I, I can't believe somebody hasn't jumped on it yet because it, you know, because it's such a problem. Um, so that that was interesting about the Amazon Ads interface. So, um, what's different if I go directly for Amazon Ads? Yeah. Or if I go through you for Amazon Ads, mm-hmm. what are the benefits of going through you? Well, we can see that uh, many of the authors, they uh, first of all are struggling with. Uh, setting up their Amazon advertising, so the platform is getting more complex, of, of course, because they are they are putting a lot of effort into that, as they can see that it's working uh, pretty good for them. And uh, we started to make it uh, cleaner for the authors. Even we started to integrate Savon, uh, which is an AI robot built by Publish Drive uh, to categorize books easier. And um, basically, Savon is helping to find the right category for your book and then uh, for the product category um, and even for other products within your category, you can actually, it, it gives you some suggestions, which are the best selling um, books you should target in, in your category. So that's really helpful for the authors. And in, in terms of the reporting, we are building out um, even more um, features regarding that. And um, the most important thing is that you can actually share your um, Amazon advertising or campaigns with your uh, team, basically. So now you are able to share the different share um, campaigns for the same book with other people if you want to. Yeah, that's really clever. I didn't know that, so I've I've learned something for that. I'm I'm, I'm desperately trying to get my collaborators to put it into a third party system. Um, <laughs> I I I, I, um, I don't like manual accounting. You know, to me, everything it's the 21st century. Everything should be online and um, yes. and completely transparent yeah. in my view. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Okay, that's great. Um, I believe again. I I I forget which interview I heard it on, but I'm sure you get you starting up publish drive and getting involved with with the project. You come as an author, didn't you? You started out as an author yourself. Yes. Tell yeah, us a little bit yeah. about that. Is it still an <laughs> yes. aspiration too? Of course. It's, <laughs> it's, if you are a writer at some point in your life, I think it never dies. So you always be a writer. Um, well, uh, yeah, when I was writing my master's thesis, basically at the university, which was about how music can influence the image of the country, um, I actually wanted to publish it because it was a niche topic and I could see that it might be interesting for some people. And then I was searching for different solutions, how I can solve it in the best way um, and the easiest way for me. I'm not a tech person, so I have business and marketing background. And um, when I started to get into the whole self-publishing process, I it was painful for me. So I, I was stuck and I didn't know what I should do. And um, as we, are starting, we started out from Europe, from Hungary. Um, it was, um, at that time, Amazon was not available uh, with, in published, right? Oh, no, in, in Hungary. And then we basically could see that, okay, there are some other markets as well outside of the Amazon world where people are actually buying books. And um, when I published it, then I could see, okay, people were buying it. So there is a market for that also because people were interested in my master thesis, which was not a very well-written book, to be honest, and mm-hmm. when I look at back today. But I think it's always like that when you look at your, like the beginning, then you always feel ashamed. And then um, when I could see that people were buying it from Brazil, from Mexico, from the States, I thought that, okay, this is something. It might be good to look at how we can make this process easier because if I had this problem that it was painful for me and it was not clear, it was not transparent um, and I couldn't find a good solution to publish worldwide, then um, it might be interesting for other people to solve this problem. And then we started to work on this with our co-founders from the university, Robert and Adam, uh, and they are tech people. So Robert is the data person and Adam is the, the coder. And then we started to work on Publish Drive with the vision to help authors to get an easier publishing journey. And yeah, it, 
we actually celebrated our fourth birthday. So <laughs> it was basically like a, um, one and a half weeks ago, yeah, and when we celebrated our birthday. And it was pretty good that uh, we looked at uh, the beginnings, like with pictures and screenshots from the platform. And it was really fun to see how we developed, how we improved ourselves in the last four years. And it is just the beginning of this journey. I feel that we will have, we have so many great plans what we want to actually accomplish and how we want to help the authors to um, make their publishing process easier and smarter for them. And you're working pretty hard at getting the word out because I know around the London Book Fair, um, one of your colleagues reached out directly to me and yes. said about meeting you there. So um, you're still doing this, if you want, this these startup basics that you have to do. Uh, you know, to, to connect connections. Yeah. So is it still sort of very hard word work to get the word out about Publish Drive? Yeah, well, of course we do that. And to be honest, I pretty much enjoy talking to authors or anyone who is involved um, in the publishing world because, yeah, that's what we do every day. That's what we, we, we actually are working with books and, and authors. So I cannot really imagine a day when I don't talk to an author, to be honest. And I have a lot of friends on Facebook also who are authors, and it's so good to see that basically my Facebook news feed is all about books and authors and their, their experiences and their lives, and I really enjoy that, and I really enjoy going to different conferences to meet authors and basically um, not just um, talk about um, published, right, because obviously this is one of the things what. Uh, we do when we go to different conferences, but to understand the authors better and to see what are their needs and what they actually are struggling with right now, how we can help them better and how we can actually find um, some new solutions for them which actually um, eases their way and basically help them write more and worry less, uh, which is our slogan, by the way. And um, even... In May, I will be on the road, and um, I will go to the Summer Book Show, then uh, to um, the StalkerCon, uh, which will be so much fun. Oh, my God. Then to the Nebula um, also, then Book Expo. So it will be quite a long journey, and um, we are meeting so many good authors, both from the traditional and from the um, indie world, which I think is pretty important to have all kinds of experiences because even within Publish Drive team, we have um, Phyllis Azar who was working for Macmillan for more than 16 years uh, building the brand for and she has a lot of experience in the traditional world and I think that's really helpful for the whole team to understand the publishing world better because in heart we all are indies but we have to learn from the publish from the, from the traditional world as well to make sure that um, the standard of indie publishing is, is higher and, and even at the traditional level. And interestingly, uh, your pricing model, I think, makes a very strong play for traditional publishers with a, a big back catalogue. So you've got yes. this um, uh, set pricing, haven't you now, which is very interesting. Is it Was that the idea behind that? Because that's a very attractive model for people with either an extensive back catalogue or, or high sales. Yeah. Well, basically, the main idea was that uh, we already had some very uh, good authors joining us who had high sales. And when we were talking to them, we just realized that it's, when, what we are doing is more like being a partner for them on the technological side. And when it's about, you know, selling books um, and when it's about building your own author brand, which actually will result in sales, we, we have our fair share in terms of what we are providing the authors with. And then we decided, okay, if the author is selling a lot, then the 10% cut from the sales is actually hurting more and more. And we wanted to be partner with all the authors on the long term because we are in this game on the long for the long term. And uh, basically, that was my idea to come up with um, a new pricing option, which is a flat fee, $100 flat fee per month, which which is pretty low if you are selling more than $1,000 because then um, 
you actually can save a lot of time and energy for yourself. Um, in the meantime, you can enjoy a lot of extra features instead of going directly with the different stores or um, not going at all. What we can see as well that some uh, people are just missing out on a big market share and uh, because they don't want to uh, share on their royalties anymore. Um, and yeah, we, we thought that this is a way where authors can benefit more from all the features for published rights built so far. And we can see that every day we have more and more authors who are joining this um, pricing option because it's actually just beneficial for them and it's beneficial for us as well because then we can actually build a longer uh, partnership with them. One of the things I like about uh, Publish Drive, and I have to say I also like it about Draft the Digital, why I commit mm-hmm. to both of those platforms, is I like um, platforms that innovate constantly, where I'm, I'm always seeing new items that aren't just rearranging the furniture, but they're actually making things different. They're actually improving things yeah. for authors. So I've got my foot in both camps because you are both innovative uh, platforms, and I, and I love that. So can you give us a... a a, a look at what might be coming up for Publish Drive in, in the future. What have you, have you? I assume you've got a roadmap that you're working to. Yeah, we have a pretty intense roadmap, of mm. course. <laughs> well, in terms of, we already talked about team royalties, and we definitely are developing on that part to make sure that um, more authors can access that, and even more features are integrated within that. Um, we are developing on our analytics side as well, which is pretty um, like advanced right now as well. So many of the authors are saying that our analytics is the best currently on the market, uh, but we definitely feel that there are even more things to do with that. So we want to help the authors to understand what's going on with their data and with their sales uh, much easier. And um, we are looking at new marketing features as well, how we can help authors um, to market themselves in, in a more effective way. Uh, because obviously, this is the number, basically the second biggest issue when you got your word out, when you already published, then how you actually can get more visibility and how you can get um, basically the readers finding your book and this is only working if you are um, using the right marketing tools and then well when it's about marketing no one really knows which part of the marketing budget will be actually just uh, a waste of money but what we are trying to achieve here that the authors can um, get a better understanding what's working for them and what's not and then they can focus on um, the activities on the marketing activities which are working better for them. And might we see integrations with platforms like uh, BookBub ads, for instance, or perhaps Facebook ads, even if you use a third-party tool like Zapier, something like that? Mm-hmm. Yes, we, we were looking at these ways as well. As we integrated Amazon Advertising, how we can do some um, other advertisement uh, methods or how we can integrate other advertisement methods what authors are using. So, yeah, we definitely looked at those to integrate also. So in terms of a, a big splash or something really exciting, what's the next thing I'm going to see popping up in my interface, the next sort of tangible author thing that's going to pop up and surprise me? What? I think it's something new for about the team royalties, that's for sure. I think that will be one of the new things what you will see in the next couple of weeks. Um, yeah, I think that's the biggest thing. And how closely do you watch people like Smashwords and Draft the Digital? Are you always like like supermarkets? You're always looking at their their prices and their activities and, and learning from them. Well, we actually meet at different conferences, so that's really fun. Um, we even were at the San Francisco Writers Conference, and uh, we were actually on the same panel, I think several times, like three times. And this was pretty awesome. So I really enjoyed those discussions because everyone has a different vision and different kind of uh, thinking. Um, for instance, at one of the panels, um, when I talked about Amazon advertising, then the other guy said, uh, well, Amazon advertising is just for making money for Amazon. And I'm like, well, books are about being on Amazon as well and, and understanding Amazon as a platform. So it's obviously something what you have to 
be aware and you have to actually learn the basics and the tricks how you can utilize uh, any kind of tool which actually helps your Amazon book sales because that's definitely something what you as an author have to do. Um, and I think, of course, we, we know these guys and we talk to each other um, and I think they all are great guys and they all have a different kind of uh, platform with different advantages. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, the, the markets that I'm very excited about are, are African markets, uh, China, mm-hmm. which you offer, and India. They, those seem to me to be the markets that I you know, would struggle to get into. Um, mm-hmm. uh, now, have I missed something with Published Drive? I know about China, but can I hit Africa and um, India yet through Published Drive? Is there a way to those markets yet? Yeah, well, India, Google Play is pretty strong there. Uh, Flipkart was bought by uh, Rakuten, so Flipkart was actually uh, one of the top selling markets um, in India when it's about books. But then they, uh, after they were bought by Rakuten, they closed down the ebook part, so right now it's not open. And I, I assume that there will be an integration with Kobo around that, but we haven't seen anything that, there yet. Um, when it's about Africa, we were looking at that market as well um, because we actually have more and more South African authors also who join published drives. So it's, it's pretty interesting to see what's going on there. And uh, we definitely are uh, looking at partnerships, how we can get more books into that area. Brilliant. So it's very much a case of watch this space and wait to see what pops up next in the console. Um, my final question to you then is, you, you told me that, you know, you did it, this all started because you aspire to write. When are we going to yeah. see your fiction novel uh, published on Published Drive? Yeah, well, it, <laughs> it will happen, that's for sure. <laughs> and even, yeah, I, I'm always drafting something, so I always have something to... Um, so all my ideas are drafted in somewhere on my phone or my, on my computer. So I don't know when exactly, so I was always asked about this from many like people as well when I will publish something. But when I do, I definitely will use Publish Drive, that's for sure. <laughs> so that was King of Gentetics, CEO and co-founder at Publish Drive. I'm getting on extremely well with the Publish Drive platform, and I do encourage you to check it out if you're publishing wide or if you want to target some of those harder-to-reach territories like China. I'm particularly excited about China. I'll tell you what I was even more excited about when Kiga heard what I was saying about putting receipts in when you're doing collaborations. And she just said, oh, yeah, we could do that. So I'm really looking forward to seeing whether that pops up in Published Drive sometime soon because I honestly think that the platform that does that first, the platform that really gets to grips with these collaborations, everybody's going to just pour in if they can get that right. Okay, before I sign off for this week, please don't forget the first interview in my interview episodes, which I'm just resurrecting for a a couple of months over summer. That's going to be broadcast next Monday, Monday the 6th of May, and it's with Kirsten Oliphant, somebody else who you've heard me speaking about a lot in these diaries over recent weeks and months. Now, Kirsten has gone from earning below $100 per month to earning a maximum of $10,000 per month. And she's never had yet a BookBub promo, a BookBub ad, or she hasn't used Facebook ads. I think she's had some small AMS ads, but certainly no BookBub and certainly avoiding Facebook ads. So she's had a 10K month using stuff that just you and me could do. And I had to talk to her because she's, she's just had a really successful year. And this is success that we can replicate. There's no Um, silver spoon you know there's no magic wand it's just basic stuff that you and me can do so i'll have that interview for you on monday the 6th of may and i will have another diary update for you next saturday in the meantime wherever you're up to in your author career have a great week of writing editing whatever it is speak to you next saturday bye-bye for now thanks for listening to paul's podcast diary make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed to hear next week's update and find out how many words get produced over the next seven days. Until then, we hope you have a great week of writing.